This is the Constructionist Podcast, where we take ancient stories, the person of Jesus, current events and topics, and help you construct a new Christian worldview that's relevant and loving to those around you. I'm your host, Kevin Bates. I'm a semiotician and community builder looking at the signs of the times to build a better future together. You are tuned into the Constructionist Podcast, and tonight we are continuing our short mini-series on other people's holidays. So the Constructionists, we encourage a worldview that is built on the principles of Christ. And in this episode, we are examining these holidays through a clear and honest lens. Well, next week, we're going to take next week off. That's the 23rd in observance of Thanksgiving. And then we're going to pick it up on the 30th. And so that 30th will be the conclusion of other people's holidays if we don't get through this material during this episode. We hope to offer insights and perspectives of other people's holidays that will help you in your own journey of towards a greater understanding and love and compassion for yourself and your neighbor. So we want to assure you that in tonight's episode, we're not going to be fabricating anything. We've done our research and homework, and we're going to help you find and give you where we got this information from if you ask, and we're going to tell you we don't understand, we don't know, or we need to find that out because our goal is to provide an honest lens, an authentic perspective in our examination. So this is our thinking space where we're presenting these ideas and thoughts. And tonight we're making our best attempt to p- explain very practical theologies to live by. So if you enjoy the Constructionist podcast and want to support us financially, please follow the link in the chat or show notes on the social media platform you're listening to and visit our Give page. So your support will enable us to continue producing high quality content like this. But more importantly, we want to hear from you. We want to engage with you. We believe that through our interactions and discussions with listeners like you, we can continue to learn and grow together. So we value your feedback, your questions, and your ideas. And we're excited to build a community around a shared exploration of perspectives developing a communal hermeneutic. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us and let us know what you think. All right, Jake and Shreya, thanks for joining me on other people's holidays. Last episode, we talked about Judaism and the high holidays and some of the some of the other holidays as well, but mostly the high holidays of Judaism. And tonight we're exploring Islam. And if we have time, we're going to start the Vedic faiths. So last week I talked through the, the two main categories or the major categories of religion. These are the super mega categories. Now, I know that there's lots of categories of religion that you can put different forms or practices or traditions in. For the simplicity of things, I've taken uh, two groupings and categorized the religions under two groupings, one being monotheism and the other being the Vedic faith. Veda, Veda, Vedic faith, that is the precursor religion in India to Hinduism. So the Veda is the pre-Hindu thought or the pre-Hindu tradition. Out of Hinduism, then you have some others that birth like Buddhism 
and a manifestation of Vishnu, or really just all the manifestations of Vishnu. There are some Hindus that only subscribe or have the tradition or worship one of the manifestations of Vishnu, which that would be, according to a rubric, that would be a monotheistic faith. So just because you have a Vedic faith doesn't mean that you don't have monotheism as a philosophy. So monotheism in the category, you have the Abrahamic faiths, and then you also have others as well, like Baha'i or um, some, like I said, some a manifest or uh, some Hinduism or Zoroastrianism would be a monotheistic faith. But for our purposes here at the Constructionists, we're talking about the Abrahamic faiths. And the Abrahamic faiths would be Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Historically, in that order Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Last week, we talked about Judaism, something that we I thought was quite interesting is that we as or Judaism or Christianity um, that comes out of Judaism, we don't have a celebration of the birth of our monotheism as Babism or Baha'ism or some of the other monotheistic faiths. They have the birth of their religion as a holiday. So whether it be a Vedic, like a, a Buddhist, the Buddha day, which is Buddha's birthday, or the Nirvana day, which is the enlightenment day of, of attaining Nirvana or ultimate enlightenment on the Eightfold Path, they celebrate that day. We do not celebrate monotheism day where, where the, the, the Shema that I am your God, I am the Lord, I am one, that Shema in the Old Testament, that declaration of what we would say, that's the declaration of monotheism. Before that, I would say Abraham and those before were polytheists. They believed in multiple gods. And so that's why in the Ten Commandments, you worship the Lord your God as the only Lord your God, as one. And so even in the commandments, we see the need for the commandment. Why? Because there would be a polytheistic philosophy before, moving now into monotheism. So in the, in, in the respect of holidays, we Christians or Jews do not have a monotheism day that they really celebrate. In monotheism, what you have are holidays that are very specifically pointed towards the exclusive singular God that they worship. So whether it be Yahweh, whether it be God or Allah, whatever word you choose, Elohim, whatever word you choose for the deity, the monotheistic deity that you worship, usually in monotheism, especially in the Abrahamic faith, there's very specific holidays like Christmas, like, like uh, Yom Kippur, like, like uh, the Passover. There's, there's very specific holidays celebrating either what who the God is or what the God has done, like Passover. So Passover has to do with the Exodus story narrative in the Old Testament. And so monotheistic religion are very pointed towards who the God is and the worship of that God or what the God has done. 
Now, in other religions, there are cultural holidays. There's cultural respected familial holidays. I, I'm thinking of holidays in Japan, let's say, where we are celebrating our ancestry and such. So, so when you get into the Vedic face, you have more holidays that are pointed towards maybe cultural ideas or cultural respect or familial respect and familial ideas. Yet in the monotheistic face, again, it's very pointed towards that exclusive singular God that you name God and what that God has done. So monotheism in definition is just the worship of one God. And that doesn't mean that you can't have other gods that you head nod to and maybe respect or even pray to. Um, monotheism is basically that this God is the supreme God. And so like in the Ten Commandments, that you will put no other gods before me. That's actually an acknowledgement that potentially people are believing in other gods. Uh, so, so that's just a known fact. Anyway, so, so monotheism in the holidays, again, doesn't exclude other gods. It's just the celebration of the one God put above all other gods. So we talked about Judaism last week. Today, we're talking about Islam. Islam is a Abrahamic faith that was birthed out of the time period of Muhammad. Muhammad was the prophet that carried forward and branched this idea of Muslim ideas. Now, the claim or the religion goes historically way before that. And so we have a, a historical philosophy that points towards the beginning of time. Pro the prophet that carried that religion forward uh, was Muhammad. So that was the, I guess, the acknowledgement of Islam in the Muhammad era around Mecca and Medina, those two areas. So Jake, you're going to take Islam. You've actually been to some Islamic countries during certain very special um, respect <clears throat> time periods, not necessarily a high holiday, uh, but during time periods that um, things were celebrated and high holidays happened during that time. So you probably have the most um, experience, I would say, in talking about Islam. So why don't you take, um, within your religious context, I mean, I've been to many Islamic countries, but not as a faith follower or anything like that. So I didn't really know what I was looking at at the time, but, um, but you did. And so why don't you take this topic and the high holidays or the holidays of the Muslim faith? I mean, as, as a pre-note, I was there as a traveler and a backpacker, not a missionary context <laughs> right. whatsoever. Right. Um, yeah. So probably about eight years ago, I traveled to Indonesia. So not a traditionally what you think of as Islamic nation, although they probably, I think they hold the most Islamic people in the world. Um, but not the birthplace of Islam. So you think of the Arabian Peninsula as being like the birthplace of, of Islam, Mecca, Medina, Muhammad was in that area. Um, Islam goes back to Isaac and Ishmael. 
which for one of the holidays is very important, but for the context right now, it's not. And so the story goes that Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael into the desert and they found a whale, a, a well, not a whale. <laughs> wow, that's new. <laughs> there are whale skeletons in deserts. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. But they, 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 they found a well. Well. <laughs> oh, gosh, here we go. So they find a well and they'll, they're blessed and they said that they will, there will be enmity between the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac throughout all time. And I mean, even right now we're seeing that play out in, in Gaza, which is super sad. Um, we can talk more about that later. The, can I clear something up though with that? There's just no to make whales. sure that no whales, no whales. Yeah, you're right. Uh, no whales, but I, I take some of these stories through the old Testament as complete metaphor, their narrative metaphor. So it does not matter to me. I, I believe that, that God is God alone and Jesus Christ is still on the throne and my savior. And I, I still believe that there's certain things in scripture that are metaphor. So whether or not this well and the story of Isaac and Ishmael is actually a historically accurate and these things exactly happened the way that they did. Um, I have really no idea because I didn't live during that time. What I know is could possibly they have happened? Oh, absolutely. Um, could possibly this these people historically existed? Of course. Uh, do I believe that the actions that were taken step by step and now we have Ishmael being the, the, the father of the Arab race and all these things that are claimed. Those are claims, and they're not historically written in the earliest text as such. And so we need to be careful because, honestly, that whole story of Isaac Ishmael um, means something completely different to me than, than a bloodline. So... So I think that there's a case, a strong case that that is true. Well, I and think... where Arabs even get circumcision from can be traced back to that moment. Yet that's not really historically written. And I just want to give a head nod to that and acknowledgement. I think all that we're talking about, all that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, totally. From Genesis to Revelation to anything right. else how how those near eastern people addressed facts and history mm -hmm. is much different than what is allowed in our western context of facts and history that mm -hmm. more emphasis was placed on the story and what makes a better story than mm -hmm. than uh what actually happened a teachable story that a that's teachable. meaningful yeah call it life of piism it's like, what's the better story? <laughs> what's the better you, story, right? Do you want to hear about a zoo and about animals, or do you want to hear about about murder and, and narcissism? And so what makes the better story? What I think happened is they were both circumcised nations. Mm -hmm. And we believe that the text, I believe the text 
was written sometime during exile into Babylon, <clears throat> very close to the like 500 uh, BCE, which right. would be in the story long after that this story mm -hmm. happened, a thousand years plus after this story happened. And so, or whatever they people claim for timelines. Right, right, right. Um, 9,000 years old or whatever. And they were in a gym somewhere and they looked down like, oh, <laughs> I'm right. circumcised. So are you? How'd this happen? Right. We're both from the same area. We have to come from the same like faith tradition. Um, there's other stories out there like the high priest of Melchizedek. When mm -hmm. Abraham meets this guy in the desert He's a high priest of God that Jesus is in line with that priest who's not right. even who's not even Jewish or Hebrew. And so like to follow the story in a linear fashion is not I don't think you can do that. They're just trying to describe how things came to be, whether that's on the back of a turtle or that's in a desert someplace with a knife. Um I just wanted to give an acknowledgement, yeah, though, because course. if you just kind of look at the story of Isaac and Ishmael and Tamar, it's awful, and and it's an awful story, casting a you know single mom basically out into the desert. The redemptive thing about that is Abraham went out and visited them, and provided for them. So that's like at least a redemptive piece of it. Uh, but just to make the strong claim, I guess that, oh, this is where, you know, this is where the Arab nation came from. Um, that's, that's, that's a bridge a little, little too, I think people intertwined a little bit more than, than we want to say that just happened in this linear step-by-step -step fashion. But the Hebrew Bible that we have yes. and the Quran that the, the Islamic faith has points to that story as the, as the yes. splitting of the two nations. And they actually acknowledge uh, some of the Old Testament as well. So a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then some uh, we'll get that later. Uh, where was I completely at? I'm now lost. I just I was just talking about the metaphor of of the story versus the historical accuracy of it. Yeah. And so these these two groups of people then developed into nations and then um, a prophet comes around in 600s named Muhammad. Mm -hmm. Muhammad then receives revelation from God or Allah, whatever we're going to say right now. It would and be Allah, Allah to them. That's Allah to them, the name God to God. us. Because yeah. uh, it's it is the same God. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's what we as as Christians need to understand as well that Islam Islamic people worship the exact same God. Mm-hmm. The Muhammad then receives that tradition for 40 days, and that becomes Ramadan or Ramajan. And it's a time of fasting from sun up to sundown. And so when I was in Indonesia a few years ago now, I forget when it actually was, um, I had just checked into my hostel. I got on a very, very late flight in to Jakarta, and there was a a marinette right outside my window and I did not understand what that was <laughs> until a couple hours later 
I was shaken completely out of bed as the speaker is pointed right at my window. <laughs> and um, there, there was no glass even in, in the in the hostel. It was just an open air hostel, so it was mm-hmm. loud. And it was the call to morning prayer, the obligatory and mandatory call to prayer, that mm-hmm. the men would then gather in the mosque, and they would and they would worship, um, and pray, and that would be the start of Ramadan. Ramadan is a is a fast of forty days from sundown, or sunup to sundown, and at the mm-hmm. end of that sundown, everyone takes the streets and have meals on the streets together. Mm-hmm. They gather together buffet style. They have traditional traditional meals. Um, oftentimes, it's they start every meal with three dates, mm-hmm. um, because that is what Muhammad broke his fast with was three dates. Um, those, those dates symbolize uh, divinity or God. Mm-hmm. The, it's the sacred fruit of Islam. Yeah. The sacred fruit of Islam. And sometimes those are stuffed with almonds and, and cheese mm-hmm. as well, and they are delicious. But having that experience of walking the street, um, but I had to follow Ramadan as well while I was there because a lot of what happens is everything shuts down during the day, um, especially in very Islamic nations. So it is a, it is a resting period and a, they will do some work and some work will be modified. Like public transit will try their best to stay open. But what happens is, pandemonium as people are getting in wrecks everywhere because they're fatigued from not eating. Mm. Um, especially at the end of Ramadan. Our tradition in Christianity, uh, the Lenten season mirrors very close to this. Mm. And present Lent, you give up a certain, a certain uh, food that you want to stay away with, be it like sugar chocolate mm-hmm. alcohol meat no uh, <laughs> i'll give up bananas bananas <laughs> which would be hard if you're a minion um so the so you give up something and it's usually sweet so that on easter when you break that fast you taste the sweetness of the resurrection the in old days with with lent we would actually do a water and bread fast or just a water fast for 40 days. And at the end of those, at the end of the days, then uh, baptisms would happen on Easter morning. And that was the traditional time where most Christians would get baptized is Easter morning. So if there's ever a baptism on Easter, um, Tertullian says that that is the, the most sacred day to become baptized is when the heart is pointed towards God. Uh, mm. Our the Christian tradition of fasting harkens to Jesus' time in the 40 days in wilderness uh, where he was only uh, satiated by, by water as well for 40 days, which mm. as we know from Hebrew, all that means is just a complete period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's been modifications of that fast because who really wants to give up food for 40 days? No one. Um, the the breaking of the fast is one of islam's main holidays they have two holidays 
It's Eid al-Fatir. And that's the breaking of the fast, the last day of Ramadan, where then after 28 to 30 days, which we talked last episode about the Hebrew people following a lunar calendar, calendar uh, Islamic nations also follow a lunar calendar where mm-hmm. the Western Gregorian calendar follows solar, the sun, our and so the, the dividing the 12 months, different stuff like that. And so ours gets super confusing. Theirs is always the same, right? Uh, at the end of breaking of the fast at 20, 30 days um, is Ida Fatir, where they decorate their homes, they open their doors, they extend charity, and they party hard. Very hard. It is their main party day. But what is what is most crucial to it is the kind of the clearing of the air that we went through this period of fasting and now we're going to clear the air and forgive ourselves and forgive one another. And so uh, there are the, there are these moments of that where we take to the street and just apologize and and extend forgiveness, hmm. um, which is a beautiful thing and would be. If only we could take something like that and put it into our own effect. Um, so that's Ella Fatir is is the main is what I think the main holiday in Islam is the breaking of the fast. Can we talk about the date more? Yeah, go for it. I I have actually been to El Idel uh, Fatir. Fatir, yeah, and and I. I find the date very special because the date actually goes back to what's thought to be the fruit that that Adam and Eve picked, right? So that's the... The knowledge the, of good and evil or the one they could actually eat? The one that they ate that they would, you know, like all knowledge, they would gain all knowledge that Satan tempted them. They... You know, that turned into an apple tree somehow. Um, but actually, it's thought that the trees in that area and just the the area of, like, the birth of that nation um, would have been, it would have been a date palm. And so date palm actually is a sacred Jewish fruit that was adopted by Muhammad as the sacred superior fruit. So it's, it's when I went to the celebration of the close of Ramadan, they put out dates um, with almonds. So almond is the first budded uh, fruit of the season. And so, so it's the first fruit and then the superior fruit come together. And so it's just a sacred type tradition uh, the land of milk and honey, the date palm, the syrup that is extracted from dates, the salon syrup, that is the land of milk and honey. So that idea of honey would have been the salon syrup. The salon syrup also is the honey, probably, that John the Baptist um, collected and such. So you have this this idea of syrup and sweetness. Um, but the Islamic people have salon cookies. I don't know if you've ever had a salon date cookie, but 
you can probably eat about 500 of those in a sitting because they are so good. And so, so you have this, this date as the, as Jews um, had this prominent, I guess, Abrahamic region, it was a prominent fruit, but it was considered amongst the seven holy fruits. And the seven holy, I guess the seven holy species is wheat, barley, grapes, dates, figs, olives, and pomegranates. So those are the seven holy species of, of fruit, right? The, that's the, the seven fruits, dates being one of them. Uh, and so Jews picked up of, of that in tradition, and then Muhammad would have carried that and called it a superior fruit. And so they eat the very superior substance at the break of Ramadan. So when I was at uh, Eid al-Fatir and we celebrated that, that was very specific that dates are what is going to sustain you. And this is the fruit that actually is the superior fruit. That's what was, uh, that was very uh, specific. And not culty, not, not, not weird. There was no specific, like super spiritual, you know, idea behind eating the date and something was supposed to happen to you or anything. Again, I think Christians get really, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sketchy about you know things that other people do, other people's holidays. I think something that I remember most, like when when everyone started opening up in the evening time, hmm. uh, was everyone made sure everyone was fed. And yeah, that's a that's a as am I talk about the next holiday as well because there's two holidays. Um. That's a theme in all Islamic holidays that everyone makes sure everyone has. Mm. Um, and it's much different than what than what we go through, right? Yes. Um, the I was given so much food just walking around on the streets of where was I at then? Uh, Yogyakarta down uh, in southern um, Java people were just generous and it is a, and their holidays are about generosity and, and making sure people have. Hmm. I think the, the Islamic tradition of Ramadan is actually a beautiful thing. I mean, the 40 days of fasting, you know, harkens back to other things in the old 20, Testament. 20 to 30. They do crescent moon. Oh, okay. 20 to 30. We, it we does have 40 days. Right. It harkens back to um, other times, like long periods of time uh, that you can see in history and in Judaism, too, where you have God or and just a just a side note about God. Um, some people get freaked out about Allah or Allah. Um, I have no idea why, because that's just Arabic for God. It actually comes from. Ali La, which is the God, shortened to Allah. So the God or Ali La, Allah is God. What we would mm -hmm. say is like Yahweh, God, um, the holy name for God. 
So it's kind of the same idea. Uh, some Christians have no problem saying Yahweh. I have no idea why they don't have a problem saying Yahweh and have a problem saying Allah or Ali La. So <laughs> I'm kind of confused. But it, once again, it's like in our superficial look at faith, um, we get freaked out. We get freaked out that like Muslim people would fast for that long but we forget that jesus fasted for longer so so there and i think that what and other christians fasted longer as well it's right just, mm -hmm. we're now about comfort not about um, mm -hmm. uh, sacrifice yeah. uh ramajan is actually a name of god as well and mm. I wish I could find it at this moment, but I cannot find it in my notes. Okay. Um, so even that is like the divine encounter with God through um, castrating yourself. Is that a good? I'm not. I'm, not, I'm trying to find a word, but I'm not. I'm not finding it um, through sacrifice and through ritual and. I think yeah. through resistance, like pulling yourself back. Mm -hmm. Resistance yeah. is a good word. A little better word than than castration. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, um, I I think why we have an why we take issue to Allah, um, that is how Christians denote that Islam is wrong. Mm. Is if we give yeah. if we give the Islamic faith a different word name for god that we and we immediately discount them as incorrect right right anyways in yeah. in i would say in so some people have islamophobia because of because of like 9 11 there was a lot of islamophobia that came out of that a lot of islamophobia came from the 19 70s and 80s with like plane hijacking and and such there seems to be like in all religions there seems to be very specific uh violent or specific um aggressive groups within um islam i would say the same for all religions uh islam definitely gets the most media attention um out of it uh Right now, we're dealing with the Israeli-Palestine um, conflict, the war, and you know some people are on Israeli side, some people are on the Palestinian side, and we're picking like right now politicking between the sides. I mean, just and, just saying war puts us on the side of Israel, so we got to be careful with that as well. Okay, all right, fair, yeah. So, so what's happening there? You know, some hostages were taken, quite a few, by a very specific terrorist group. That definitely um, basically uses citizens and people as shields. Like they don't, they don't want to be bombed or they don't want to be, you know, threatened in any way. So they surround or put people with the Hamas in hospitals and in, you know, schools and whatever it is. They're, they're shielding with people. So, uh, so this conflict that you're talking about back and forth, um, the tension that's created, 
I don't think that you can directly relate some kind of tension that's birthed out of the Old Testament to what's happening in modern day Israel and Palestine. No, but it was it was the writer's I would have best a hard attempt. time. What? It was the writers, I think it was the writer's best attempt at trying to describe it. Hmm. Right. So so the it's Christian idea just, that yeah. yeah, the Christian idea that well these wars have been going on forever. Um it might be true that they've been going on for a long time, but to connect that to some spiritual reality over here, I think is pretty r- irresponsible because there's a lot of Islamic people who do not uh, do not adhere to, support, or agree with the terrorist groups that were are within their their people, and most, so let's just so say, we need to acknowledge that. You said a lot. What I would even, you said a lot of Islamic people don't agree with it, but I would say ninety nine point nine 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 nine. Yeah, that's all. a lot. <laughs> like almost I would say, all. most. Yeah, most. yeah, and so the Islamic people that I've been around and participated in Ramadan with, and the uh, the Eid al Fatir, I would say none of them that I met would even consider that to be the will of Allah, and and I think- and so. So the is what I'm saying. What I, the reason why I'm bringing this all up is is the the very beginning what you said about the conflict, right? Um, to directly con- connect that to a spiritual reality, and then to talk about the celebrations along the way. Some of our listeners probably have tuned us out already <laughs> as saying, "Well, this is a demonic religion or something like that." Um, where that's we're not declaring religions right or wrong here in this mini series we're just saying these are the holidays this is the context this is historical realities uh, and we around have even participated in all of them right right and so to 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 denounce holidays and traditions as as evil and pagan um right I think it takes a good internal look at why you have a Christmas tree, why you celebrate Christmas on the day that you do, why Easter, right. why Easter and Christmas are on solstices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the conflict is not, is not from that splitting. Maybe it is. Maybe the story is true. We don't know. Right. Right, right. It's probably that writer's best attempt at trying to describe why these people exist and why they hate themselves. So why why is the hatred there? Yeah. So. I think part of the language there that maybe we're looking for is t- to look at it as descriptive rather than prescriptive. Mm-hmm. That just mm-hmm. because this was described in this way at this time does not mean that is how things have to be forever after. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the issues that Christians often take is that Muhammad was a warrior prophet. Mm. And and violence was like a part of his life. Right. Life. Mm-hmm. I and actually I would say he was more of an economic prophet of anything. <sighs> like on the trade trade routes and such. Yeah. His his wife was a um, uh, 
gosh. She was she was prominent in the business world. Yeah, but what did she sp mm -hmm. sell specifically? Was it indigo? I can't, I can't remember, but it was it was she was a she very had some money. Yeah, but, she was very so good at if you know about the Silk Road <laughs> um that stretched from China all the way into Western Europe, all the way through history, the trade route. And then from Egypt up into that as well. Every road crosses into the Arabian Peninsula and near Asia with uh, into Israel and up. And so there is going to be conflict there because the, the economics are huge. The amount of caravans going through carrying goods and services is insane. Mm -hmm. The Silk Road. Um, yeah. The reason why I bring all that up is, is I think that especially, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be really honest. I'm, I'm white and I, you know, struggle with seeing my own white privilege. I'm growing through that. I'm seeing my own like Islamophobia and trying to figure that out in my life. I, I was around and very adult in 9-11. Um, I grew up post 9-11. I preached the Sunday after 9-11. Um, so, so I remember the feeling, the sentiment, the how we were all united against one people. And, and that was the, uh, the Muslims. And so, so sometimes as especially white Christians, we, we stare in the face of white Jesus during Christmas and just become whiter. Like we're just looking at white Jesus and white Jesus is staring back at us and we're just becoming whiter and whiter and look, everybody is just like, that's all we see through that lens. And when we, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Bill Burr, the comedian talks about, uh, looking into Elvis's life and looking at Elvis and thinking of Elvis as just this white singer and created all these amazing songs. And oh my goodness, you know, nobody even talks about where he got that from, where he got the style from, where he appropriated that stuff from. Nobody ever talks about that because they're just looking at Elvis as the king of rock and roll. So I'm not against Elvis or anything, but when I just look at Elvis through a white lens with a white guy staring back at me as a white guy, I just become whiter and think that Elvis is king. Um, <clears throat> instead of looking at different traditions and different religions and different holidays and trying to see through their lens or trying to at least sit in this space and give space for that holiday or for that 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 person and just learn a little bit from them instead of being ramadan what happens during ramadan what satan shows up during ramadan it's like that's just crazy to say that you know but i know christians that say that oh yeah that satan is that satan's like fast and and it's just crazy to think that well, i just want to do because we're the constructionists so part of that is deconstruction. So, so I just want to break that down and just kind of. If we know, are going to label out. an entire religion and race of people by their most extreme behaviors, by their most extreme groups, we don't right. want that for us either. 
No. Right. I I would I would venture to say that we have killed and been and been a a much bigger terrorist through the Christian through the Christian lens than we have through any Islamic lens. Well, yes, Crusades. Hello. So so uh, I I bring that up because a lot of people think that Ramadan is a group's time for mobilization. And that's mm. been a, a sentiment amongst Christians. I've seen it on social media. I've seen it, you know. Well, it's because oftentimes we're taught that that was when uh, mm -hmm. Muhammad's troops fasted during the day for battle at mm -hmm. Medina. Right. Which anything I read anywhere does not hearken to that. Mm -hmm. uh, it could, and I just haven't found it, but most of it is just the, the revelation from God to Muhammad for the Quran, and it has nothing to do with battle, where most people, most white Christians would place Ramadan as a warrior's time. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting perspective. I haven't heard that, but that makes a lot of sense of why Christians have adopted that philosophy. Mm -hmm. So Ramadan, that fasting time, El, uh, Eid al-Fatir, I've participated in those um, in a service, in an actual congregational meeting in Tiger, where I've, I've gone to the mosque um, during Ramadan and the breaking of the fast. And it lasted for a handful of days. I can't remember how many days that lasted for. Um, uh, the three. end of Ramadan, I but I was there on the last day and that was just really quite, I was in, I was really quite, um, just impressed by community. I was impressed by knowledge. They definitely had a lot of knowledge. Um, I of course looked different. And so I sat there and, uh, they asked me questions, lots of questions, and I was able to ask them questions which was awesome. Um, they talked about Muhammad. They talked about their Islamic faith. They talked a lot about Jesus. Um, they talked about Allah as a singular and, and the line of prophets. They, they talked a lot about just different things. And then the teaching was on prayer. The teaching was on practicing um, Islam and what that what that does for us and, you know, the practice of prayer. So the teaching wasn't, you know, mystical. It wasn't different. It was pretty much what I would preach on Sunday morning, to be honest. Um, except I would tie that to uh, the New Testament scriptures. So, so uh, the meeting time, though, you're right. The leaders held back to eat. They were the last to go. And so all the guests that showed up ate first. We probably got seconds before the leaders then participated in the food, um, which that sentiment you gave about everybody has enough mm -hmm. um, was on display there. Yeah. So that was my experience with Ramadan and Eid al-Fatir. Nice. So the other holiday. So... Both, both Christians and Islamic people have two main holidays. We have Easter Christmas, they have Eid al-Fatir, 
and Aid al Ada. I'm sorry for my pronunciation. And they start the holiday out with and, and frequently chant this prayer that Allah is great, Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest. There is no God but Allah. Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. All, all to Allah goes all the praise. Uh, if you think about the Shema with mm-hmm. Hero Israel, God is one. There are none other gods before me. Mm. Um, it it mirrors that very well. And this is the the feast of sacrifice. Mm. And we talked earlier about like how they believe, um, and Christianity actually believes as well that that the Islamic and Arabic people come from the split of Ishmael and Isaac. Mm. Um, and they, they are descendants of Ishmael. And so the Feast of Sacrifice is commemoration of Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac or Ishmael. Um, and that's a, that's a key delineation that in some texts, it goes back to the sacrifice actually being of Ishmael as well not just Isaac. Hmm. And so, but the story, God, God tests Abraham, which just think about how crazy the story is that Uh someone's being willing to sacrifice a human being. Um, Mm -hmm. No, thank you. Uh, That's a, it's a very violent and, and it has more to do with the story than the actual history. Well, don't you think, though, that that story of sacrificing children, that's a little closer. I mean, to us, that's like ancient history. Who would ever sacrifice or some, you know, Satanists in the mountains of, you know, Los Angeles sacrifice people or whatever. Uh, That that was specific. Well, the Angeles Mountains, that's what, you know, Satanists are up there. So, so. I just wonder um, if it's so weird for us to read a text like that because it's such a distant thing. But in Abraham's day, I mean, would it have been that distant? Wouldn't there have been people that existed that sacrificed their children? I would say no. Okay. I think that it was meant to be a shocker at the very beginning. I think there's some like uh, the Moloch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that where you're pointing to, Kevin? Well, I mean that or others. I mean that are not written. I I I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious, like what you think of that. It's like was would I mean, that have been too odd? Is that what you mean? Like. Would it be, would it have been a normal occurrence in life? Well, I think, okay, so you're going to sacrifice your child. That's an, that's a shocking experience, even if it's happening next door to you on a regular basis. So, so it's a shocking experience. I'm just saying, is it, is it, was it that distant from Abraham? Because to mm. us, it's wrong and evil. To him, it's shocking. But he was carrying it through. And. Okay. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, is this just the story? Is it just a narrative to prove a point? I mean. It is. I, I would place it as just a narrative 
to prove a point that was meant to shock the reader. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a moot discussion at that point. It's like, did this even really happen or was it a story of something that was built to there? Yeah. There was a cult in the day of Solomon in that time period that they would have a bronze statue with hands out pointed that they would place uh, babies in that would basically Mm -hmm. sear them to death. Um, Awful. Which, I mean, I don't know. I I do feel like it it would be such an abnormal occurrence, especially your own child. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so so we have this birth of Ishmael now. Going back to the Ishmael story. Going back to the Ishmael story. I it, so there was sorry for derailing. Way. It's all good. So God provides a ram to be sacrificed, or a bull, or a sheep. Whatever story you're, you're reading, because it does change depending on which version you're reading, uh, to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. And so it is the. The, the Feast of Sacrifices commemoration of that. And then what you do is you take your you take your your bull or your ram or your sheep to the temple and or the mosque and you are you you butcher it into three different sections. And one is for your family, one is for your friends, and one is for the poor. And so they are equal sections. And the whole idea at this in this feast is that everyone gets meat and everyone has enough. Um, and so the whole the whole goal of this holiday is to make sure that everyone feasts from the poorest to the richest. I'm guessing if you have a lot of friends, then you have you get a lot yeah. more meat. Section uh, that a little <laughs> farther off, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's a more purposeful occurrence of like um, trying to give to those who don't have the most, who are the outsiders. And so feeding them, feeding them, feeding them. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a big feast. It's very Trinitarian, what you just, it's very Trinity. Like, I, I just see that as like Jesus, right? has like his family mary and brothers Mm -hmm. yeah and then jesus has his friends yeah right and then jesus has the poor and that's basically the jesus story him working through those three communities of people to accomplish great the work yeah so one thing I, i missed earlier which is fun is that uh, part of it is Abraham beating off Satan and like the, mm-hmm. the temptation of Satan to sacrifice. And so uh, Satan plays a bigger role in their story mm-hmm. than the one that we have. Yeah. And so uh, you, they create these pillars and then everyone gets rocks and they stone, they stone the pillar. They're, sc- they're scaring Satan away by throwing rocks at Satan. So, so they do this during El Al Adah. Yes. That's what you're saying. They do this during or pre pre meal, pre celebration. Yeah, they so throw rocks the at the feast pillar. of sacrifice. Yep. So it's just a fun time. 
And when is this, when does this happen? Uh, well, their months are much different than ours. And so okay. it's from the 10th to the 13th on Dua Hijah. Um, okay. And some countries, and I didn't get into the Ramadan either, but since you have to do it from, from moon to moon, mm-hmm. um, Islam's actually, it's morphed a lot because what happens if you don't have a moon? So like in, you're in the, you're in the, the poles, right? Where right. there's, there's, there's sun all day long, especially during Ramadan when it's in the middle of summer. And right. so you follow, you follow Mecca time. Uh, you don't follow. Hmm. And so usually it's from the 18th through the 20th of June. And so it's, it's in there. Yeah. The 2024 dates for, uh, Idol Adah is the 16th of June through the 20th of June. In and some then, countries. And, yeah. And that's like in Uzbekistan and places like that. And then in Saudi Arabia, Kazakhstan is the 16th of June through the 18th of June. Yes. And then in Asian countries, also in Europe, in United Kingdom, it's the 18th of June through the 20th of June. Yeah. And so, but during Ramadan, it follows pretty closely to our Easter. Mm. Okay. So March is April ish. Um, but it's all, it's all in there. We, we mirror a lot together. I don't really yeah, see a, a winter holiday. Um, but every major religion has a spring, a spring holiday. And so that's Ramadan mm-hmm. for Islam. That's Easter for us, uh, for Judaism. I forget Shreya. Give me a hint. Yom Kippur. Uh, Purim and Passover are around the spring. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Wow. Passover is around <laughs> the spring. Um, and so it's this, it's this new life celebration. Mm. Um, and we can get more on that later. But yeah, those are the two main holidays for Islam. Well, we made it through Islam today, tonight. And thank you, Jake, for all that information. I learned a lot. I hope that you all did too. So next time, uh, we are skipping the 23rd, which is uh, next week for Thanksgiving. And then we're going to pick it back up on the 30th of November. And so we on the 30th of November, we're going to talk about a lot of other things. Uh, we're going to try to make it um, through the Vedics and some other holidays, other people's holidays, as we continue this mini-series on other people's holidays. So we've talked through pretty much the two Abrahamic monotheistic faiths. And we're going to continue on the 30th with try to get it all done on the 30th. If not, we'll pick it up the next week as well. So if you want to connect with us, go ahead and send a direct message or or um, uh, reach out to us on our emails. Or you can give to us by going to our give site on resonatelife.org if you want to support us. We want to hear from you. We need your support to produce high-quality content like this. So with that, thanks, Sharia. Thanks, Jake, for uh, joining and participating as we continue next uh, in two weeks with other people's holidays. Good night, everybody.